there's probably a lot of you that you are younger moms, and maybe it became a challenge for you to just say, you know what, uh, there is an example that I need to set for my kids, and uh, I want to be the mom that my God wants me to be, and I want to be uh, the mom that my kids want me to be. And so maybe for a lot of us, it was rekindling of a memory. For some of us, it may have been for you a challenge to just reach toward what you know that God would love for you to be and to model as a mom. I know a lot of you feel the way that I do today. You'd love to be able to spend time with your mom, but my mom went to heaven just a few years ago, and a lot of you, you know what that feels like. And so we won't be able to do that, but if your mom is still living and you're not going to actually spend time with her in person, uh, be sure to call her today. Let her know how much you love and appreciate her. I know that you're going to do that anyhow without me mentioning it. Hey, before we get into the talk, which I'm very excited about to do, can we just put our hands together for all of our moms that are right here with us today or watching online? We're going to journey once again into the Bible. How many of you know when we're in church and there's a message that ought to come from the Bible? How many of you think that's a good idea? We're going to see what it has to say about moms and children. But just before we get there, I just have to say it truly is amazing to me now, maybe more so than ever, that you moms are able to pull off so well this enormously difficult job that you do week in and week out. I really don't know how you do it. I don't. Now, some of you, you heard me mention this not long ago, and I apologize that you're having to hear a story twice, but for some of you, you've not heard this story, and it's when I got just recently a little taste of what you do every single day when I was asked while our grandchildren were here to watch all four without assistance, without help, without an army, without medical personnel, I was asked to watch all by myself for a half a day, all four of the grandbabies. I dearly love them. Let me be clear, but I'd never had that experience. Now, Kenley, she's seven. No big deal. Uh, Landry, she's five. No big deal. They could do well just on their own. Brody, that's a big deal. I'm just telling you, that's a really... And then you throw in Paisley, who's five months old, and uh, it, it became a challenge. I just wanted to do little things, little things, like brush my teeth or, or go to the bathroom or do something like that. Uh, but how many of you, that, that would be a major feat. And I was just praying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I don't know when the rapture is going to happen, but if it could be right now, that might be right okay. Not really. But I just I was thinking about it afterwards, and then it just caused me to recall what Nicole, our daughter-in-law, what many of you moms just do all of the time. When you have all kids, however many there are, one or four, you have them all by yourselves, and I've seen Nicole like that many times, all four kids by herself, all of their little backpacks, a diaper bag, a stroller, and she's not crying, she's not, and she's not cussing, she's not and I wasn't cussing, but I was crying a whole lot. No, I wasn't, but I wanted to. But she's just completely calm. And it's amazing to me that you moms are able to do so much, uh, so many different extraordinary things, and you just do it with calm. 
And I think about my own mom. I've been thinking a lot about her even since I woke up this morning. And my thoughts went to my mom. And, and I remember after my parents got a divorce, and that was tough in its own right. But we all survived, and uh, we, we've done okay. We really have. And, but yet I thought about the commitment that mom made, that she would uh, work two jobs because we lost, you know, for the most part, the income of, of dad. There was child support, obviously. But... Uh, Mom just had to get out there and do whatever she had to do to provide for us three kids. And so she worked two jobs. And I remember one of those jobs, she had to drive a, about an hour and 15 minutes one way to work. And that same amount of time uh, home every single day in her first job in the middle of Atlanta traffic. And why uh, do you moms do all that you do? And I think that we already know the answer. It's all about love. It's all about love. I read not too long ago about the remarkable love that Jesus' mom had for him and how that he reciprocated that love back to her. In fact, I want you to take a look at these three verses up here on the screen. This is John 19. And it says, you see this phrase in the beginning, near the cross of Jesus, near the cross of Jesus stood who? All right, four of you. Man, I don't know why I have to do this every week to retrain you from week to week. Near the cross of Jesus stood his? You could have done that the first time. Would you help me out, please? In fact, if you'll help me, I'll be done quicker. All right, now you're getting a little bit more motivated. Near the cross of Jesus stood his? His mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her uh, into his home. And we just see that Jesus, and can you imagine how utterly painful that it must have been for this mom? to watch your son die on the cross, especially when you consider the brutality that was involved, the violence that was involved. Some time ago, I read this statement, and I want to toss it out for your consideration. Uh, this writer says, it's a book that I was reading not too terribly long ago, and it had this paragraph in it. One child development expert cited studies that people who grow up to become healthy, well-adjusted adults can almost always look back to one parent who loved them irrationally. And my observation over the years has been that more often than not, that one parent is a mom. I love this story. Police don't know where Deborah Kemp found the strength, but she knows. Her six-year-old daughter Ashley was in the back seat, and Kemp wasn't going to let the man steal her car after she had just pumped gas. The 34-year-old mother was dragged on her knees for several blocks as she clung to the door and to the steering wheel of the moving car. She says, and I quote, I wasn't trying to be a hero. I was just concerned about my baby. That was a part of me in that car. Kemp eventually pulled the suspect from the car and beat him with an anti-theft club device. Glory to God for that. Are you with me? While he apologized and begged her to stop. The driverless car went out of control and smashed into a restaurant, breaking a gas line. That's when the child woke up. Kemp, the mom, suffered only ripped pants and bloody knees. The child was not injured at all. However, the suspect can't walk. One leg is broken, and he also suffered head injuries as a result. How many of you, you'd say in this case, that was, that was okay. That's a good thing. 
And what's the lesson here? And the lesson is clear and it's true for most every mom that I know. Don't mess with the little cub of a mama bear. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't mess with a little cub of a mama bear. Now, there's another place in the Bible that grabbed my attention while I was working on this Mother's Day talk. And it's actually the Apostle Paul, and he's speaking to a young disciple by the name of Timothy. And I want you to notice this. The guys are going to put this little phrase. It's verse 5, 2 Timothy 1, the A part. And this is what Paul says to this young guy that he's discipling. He said, this is what I know about you, Timothy. This is what I remember. I remember. I love this. I love this. I remember the genuine faith of your mother, Eunice. I remember that she was a lady that had a, a, a genuine faith. Now, again, I don't know how you moms do what you do, but I know why you do it. I, I think about all that you do, and that recent experience just causes me to once again stand in awe of moms, especially if you have small kids running around everywhere or teenage kids or uh, you're still in the process of raising your kids before you uh, cut them loose. And moms do so many things. They cook and they clean. And when the children are young, they change diapers. And they work. And they wash clothes. And they bathe kids. And they run a taxi service. How many of you moms wave at me if you've ever, you do or you have ran a taxi service to schools and to sporting events, to doctors and dentist appointments. And you laugh. And you play. And you pray. And you, like Eunice, Timothy's mom, you model, it's probably the most important thing that you could do for your kids, is to model a genuine faith. A genuine faith. You know, the reality is, the reality is, I want you to think about this. There's been a lot of study on it, and I need to keep moving because I only have 22 minutes left, and this is going to fly by for me. It may drag for you, but it'll fly by for me. But there's a lot of studies that tell us that wherever we go in terms, uh, spiritually speaking, as a parent, that, that our kids, generally speaking, generally speaking, not always, but generally will never exceed that where we're at spiritually. In fact, this is what studies indicate, that they'll follow your example, in this case, genuine faith, but a little bit less. So you think about that. Think about that. I know it's not Father's Day. That's right around the corner. But think about that as dad. And think about that as mom. That wherever you are at spiritually, your devotion to Christ, your commitment, your genuine faith, that your kids, they see that example in you, that becomes hopefully something that they're going to model. But generally speaking, and there are exceptions, as I mentioned, but they're not going to see. They're going to they're follow your example, but probably a little bit less. And every time I think about that study, every time I think about that research, it, it just causes me to say, we've just got to go deeper and deeper in our relationship with God. And I, I know that for you moms, you want to become that example. You want to have that genuine faith like Timothy's mom did. And the reason why is because kids matter. Kids matter a whole lot. In fact, I want you to check out this next verse with me. This is a great verse. This is out of the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah. It says this, can a mother forget? Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child that she has born? And it's like this biblical writer, I love the context of this. It's like this biblical writer is saying, do you think 
that a loving mother is going to overlook the needs of her baby, of her child, her son, or daughter. You know, if her child is in need, is there any reasonable, sensible mother that would not meet the needs, would not extend care to the one that she gave birth to? which causes this passage to become, in many respects, rhetorical because it's like the prophet is saying, are you kidding? Not on her life. She will do everything within her power to love and to care and to meet that need because children matter a whole lot to, mo uh, to moms. And Paul said, Timothy, Man, dude, when I think about you, one of the things that I remember, one of the things that I, made, I think makes you so special, the, one of the reasons why, you know, I see that there's these spiritual qualifications that God is even going to use in ministry, it all points back to the genuine faith of your mom. Well, you know, you, th you think about that. And you think about, you know, just the love that a mom has. This is also in Isaiah. I wanted you to see this before we move on. It's like God is trying to paint a picture that people can understand of how much he cares about people. And, and he, see, he says this. You'll see it on the screen, Isaiah 66. And God says, this is what I will do. I will comfort you. And he wants them to get an idea of what this looks like, something that they can understand. I will comfort you like, read the rest of it with me, everybody, like a mother comforting her child. It's like God is saying, if you want to see a picture of it, this is how it works. Ask any sensible mother to describe the love that she has for her children. And her vocabulary cannot even begin to reach the deep places that will enable her to adequately communicate the love that she has for her child. It is a love that is so enormous that it can actually look past weaknesses and faults and failures that other people might actually be quick uh, to criticize. In fact, I read this, and I think I shared it with you maybe one time before. I love this statement. A lot of you guys, like me, you're going to be able to resonate with this. The truest measure of a man is found somewhere between the opinion of his mother and the opinion of his mother-in-law. It's not going to be as extreme as your mom may think, but it may not be the other extreme as well. I want you to take a look at this next insightful verse. This is John chapter 16 and verse 21. Look at it here with me. It says, when a woman, and we talked about this recently, so I'm only going to deal with it for a moment, but it fits into what we're talking about right now on Mother's Day. When a woman is about to give birth, she is in great pain. Any mom can say amen to that? She's in great pain. But after it is all over, she forgets the pain and she is happy because she has brought a child into the world. And that's what Mother's Day is really all about. Now, on behalf of all of us guys, let me just say, can you believe how guys, just like us, we complain about our pain? Isn't it amazing how we complain about our pain? I have uh, now, at this point in my life, uh, I have broken both of my elbows I have torn the ligaments in my right uh, ankle. I have, uh, I have torn the meniscus in my left knee. I'm, 
I guess I'm trying to tell you I'm a mess. I really, really am. I've had four surgeries, but compared to giving birth to a child, it would be like having a tiny little splinter in my finger. I alluded to a situation that happened not long ago when I stepped out onto a, well, it was a few years ago, out onto an OBGYN floor. And um, if you have ever, if you have ever heard a mother in labor, you will not soon forget it. You will not. I was in Chick-fil-A yesterday morning because God told me I needed to be there. I had an assignment. I had a responsibility, and I didn't want to fail God, so I was there right after I'd gone to the gym. I see uh, a family that I know, and uh, they wave, and uh, I'd just come from the gym, so I didn't look like Pastor Jeff. I looked like ball cap, been to the gym, uh, but they recognized it, and they waved, and I walked over and said hi, and, and in fact, before I go to their table, before I leave, uh, the grandma has the baby and walks over, and so I'm talking to the grandma and to the baby for a few moments. And I said, well, I, I want to walk over and say who I know them as well. I want to say uh, hello to your daughter before I go. And so I walked over, and you can see her beaming. She's got this beautiful, beautiful uh, baby. And, and then talking to him for a few moments, I get ready to go, and she says, and, and by the way, I'm going to have another baby. And I didn't say it out loud. But I thought, you are one crazy girl. You've been through this before, right? It's what I'm thinking. But you moms know because you signed up. A lot of you didn't stop at round one. You went on to round two, maybe round three or four. And it's just like the writer says. There's the pain of labor. But when you lay eyes on that child, you forget all about the pain, and all you can see is happiness and joy. Man, kids matter a whole lot to moms. And what you do, we celebrate in an enormous way. But children not only matter to moms, I wanted you to come back to this realization that they also matter to Jesus. How is it that we know that Jesus was loving how do we know that Jesus had an approachable nature and personality? We know this because even small children were totally comfortable when they were in his presence. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Check this out on the screen. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become, look at this, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name actually welcomes me. If you keep reading through the Gospels later, you'll discover in Mark chapter 9 and verse 36 that Jesus picked up and held in his arms a young child. He never would have done that. He never would have done that had not children greatly mattered to him. And they did. And kids know it. One of the joys that I have as a pastor is just, you know, I, I, I need to keep count. But um, I get 
more than you can imagine hugs from kids as I'm walking around the church on a Sunday morning, uh, you know, either before the services or after the services. I've, I've just, these kids, and, you know, it's, it's almost routine, and they just come up, and they, they give me a big hug, and they have no idea uh, what that means to me because, you know, I, I, it just reminds me of these four grandbabies that I, that I have. You know, I mentioned to you that uh, it was God's will for me to, uh, to be at Chick-fil-A yesterday morning and the other five mornings of the week, by the way, but, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily as convinced that it was God's will for my babies to all be in Illinois when previously they'd lived two miles away. So can't be with them a whole lot. So it does my heart an enormous amount of good when all these little kids, and they'll just come over and give them a big hug. And I sometimes walk away and I say, well, you know, why, why does it seem that, you know, I, I'm approachable? It's, you know, and, and then I, I tell myself, there's a reason. It's because they sense in their little mind that I'm a pawpaw. Some, somehow I'm giving off signals that I must be a pawpaw. Jesus gave off signals that he loved kids, and they knew it, and he was approachable. Maybe you've grown up in church, and maybe your, your attitude has been, maybe you picked it up somewhere along the way that Jesus was just this mad, angry, always judging people kind of person, always bothered and disturbed about something, always on a soapbox about the latest issue that he was trying to contend with. But that is the antithesis of who Jesus was. Jesus was so loving, and Jesus was so approachable that even kids who could be, be skittish and shy by nature would just come right up to Jesus, just knowing that they would be loved and embraced. I want to show you another great example of this. And these are three very insightful verses in Matthew chapter 19. I want you to see them with me. It says that one day some parents brought their children to Jesus. They bring their children intentionally, purposely to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, I love this, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these little children. I love this next part. And he placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them before they left. And everybody recognized that not only does moms really, really love kids, and they matter to moms a whole lot, but kids matter a whole lot to Jesus. These parents gathered around in this Matthew 19 passage and their whole idea, and a lot of us as parents, we can get this. If we could just get our kids, if we could just get our kids to Jesus, if we could just get our kids to Jesus, we believe that he'll pray for them and that'd be a really good thing. And so that's the reaction of the parents. If we can just take our kids and get them to Jesus and the disciples, and I get agitated when I think about the disciples' response. Their response is they become actually quite agitated with these parents. And they're like, don't bother Jesus. Don't you know he's an important man? He's in high demand. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of people follow him, and they listen to his teachings, and he heals. He's a man in much demand. So you have the attitude of the parents over here, and they're just saying, all right, come on, come on, Johnny. Uh, come on, Susie, just 
just line up. Jesus is over there, and I just want to get you over to Jesus because I hear that he loves kids, and I want him to pray for you, and I want, I want him to bless you. If you'll just come, just, you know, and, and let me get you over to Jesus, and the disciples are over there, and, and they're like, don't bother him. Don't bother him. You know, he's a really important guy. He's way too busy for little kids, and these kind of things are going on in the dynamic of everything that is playing out here, and Jesus just essentially says to his disciples, like, hey there, guys, back off. Don't stop the kids. And Jesus loved them, and Jesus blessed them. Here's what I want you to know as a mom. You not only love your kids in an enormous way, and they matter to you in an enormous way, but they also matter a whole lot to Jesus. And even when those times come that you can't be with them and you can't be watching over them in that moment, I want to assure you that there is a God in heaven that is watching over your kids and loves your kids, if you can imagine, even more than you love your kids. Well, kids matter a whole lot to moms, and they matter a whole lot to Jesus. But before we're done, in these last couple of minutes, I want you to know that children should matter to us as a church family as well. In fact, as long as I'm here, the kids' ministries of our church will be a massive priority for everything that we do. And I say that unapologetically. And if you would ever come to me and say, well, you know, Pastor Jeff, I just have another way of thinking that we should not invest staff and time and energy and money into the kids' ministries of our church. Let me just as respectfully say as I possibly can, do not waste your breath. That will not work with me. It's a massive priority of our church. Did you know that the younger person is, the more likely that they are to receive Jesus as the Savior? And there's a lot of stuff out on that. That the younger that they are, the more likely they are. And you know this, if you're an adult, and you know that if you've lived many years, there's just something about human, the human condition that over time, it just gets a little more hardened if somebody's not in relationship with God. A little bit more resistant a little more skeptical, but you take, you take the mind and heart of a child that just wants to believe with faith, and there's this openness, and we've got to seize that opportunity, and I love it, and I want you to know that we get to partner with you as parents in building a solid foundation uh, that will help our kids in the future to make wise, God-honoring decisions. In fact, every single week, I'm praying, you know, and, and my mind is certainly in this room, but I'm praying for all that's going on at the other end of this building with all the kids' ministries that we've got going on. And I'm praying and I'm saying, God, let something happen in the minds and the hearts of our kids and our students that's going to last them a lifetime, that even when their faith is challenged and mark it down, their faith will be challenged. And we've got this wonderful opportunity to make a great contribution to their core biblical values now. But we will not always have that opportunity. And those core biblical values will eventually get challenged. They will. They'll get challenged as they enter high school. And especially will they be challenged at the university level on many campuses. And that's why I look at your moms and your dads. And I mean this so utterly sincerely. It is why it's so important that you bring your kids to church. And you do it consistently. 
Some of the heroes that I have in our own church family are moms and dads who show up with their kids just all the time, just week after week. You can count on them. You just know doors are going to be open. They're going to be there. They're going to have their kids in church. And man, they're like heroes. Can I just tell you this? Are you okay? Wave at me if you're okay. Wave at, are you okay? You okay? Your kids are going to take your, their cues about your attitude from church, from you. And if you don't treat church as though it's important, neither will they. You with me? Are you with me? If it's unimportant to you, they're going to grow up and it's going to be unimportant to them. Man, it causes me to just say, wow, get them here. Let them see the value. Let them see the authentic faith that you had, much like Timothy's mom had. Let them see in dads and moms that, you know, that God is a priority in your life, that Jesus is a priority in life, that you're bringing them to church for a reason because it matters and because you know deep down in your heart. How many of you know this world is, is not getting better? Anybody here would agree that this world is getting crazier and crazier and crazy? Anybody wave at me if you believe that. Your kids are going to need a foundation. They're going to need a foundation. And that's why we consider it, honestly, a great privilege to partner with you every single Sunday here. We have this narrow window to minister to these open minds and hearts. Again, practically speaking, the kids' ministries of our church is one of the most important ministries of our church. And you would be happy to know that down on this other side of the theater, we are not raising, we are not providing a babysitting service. The teams there are teaching your kids about the love and the wonder and the grace of Jesus. And it's a powerful thing that will hold them for a lifetime. I'm always amazed when I'm meeting with like Ashley uh, who oversees, uh, you know, like kindergarten through fifth grade. I'm sorry, I got that reversed. Katie who oversees that age group and then Ashley has like the babies through like up until they go to into kindergarten. And when we're talking and we're meeting and we're strategizing and, and I'm, you know, they're just filling me in on and what they're doing in kids. I'm, I'm telling you, it just blows my mind. I'm like, and they're like, yeah, and even, even with a smoke. And I'm like, and they're like, yeah, and the energy and the preparation. And those of you who serve on those teams, we take our hat off to you as well and just say to you, what you're doing makes a big difference. And I believe that there's going to be all kinds of rewards that are going to be poured out in heaven. And you will get your reward because you have invested in those that matter a lot to Jesus. Maybe there's some of you that are here right now, and you just say, hey, you know, I'd like to get involved in that. I'd like to just check that out. I'd like to just see what's involved. I'd like to talk to Katie or, or Ashley and just see, you know, what is it that maybe, maybe I could get involved in that. And this is what we know, that kids matter a lot to moms, and they matter a lot to Jesus, and they matter a lot to us as a church family. So thank you. Thank you for giving us a chance to invest in the life of your kids. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
we thank you today for all of these great moms that are here. You did an amazing thing, an amazing thing when you made moms. You really did. And there's no doubt that kids matter a lot to moms. And they matter a lot to your son, Jesus. And I just pray that as a church, that we might invest in their lives more and more. While your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're here today and you just say, you know, Jeff, man, you know, I feel encouraged today, but I know that I also, while I feel encouraged, I feel some, I feel some challenge in my life. I feel, I feel some challenge that what I, I need to do is, is I need to develop a genuine faith. I don't, I don't have a genuine faith. I've not made a commitment to Jesus. I'm not, I've not become as of yet that example that I believe that God wants me to be and that I want to be. And, and so I just want to make things right with God today. I just want to make sure that I'm in right standing with Jesus, that I'm in a personal relationship with Christ. And if that's you, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, would you just lift up your hand wherever you're seated? Lift up your hand and let me just pray for you right there where you're at. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, God, we just say that today. We just come to you and we just say, Father, thank you for your great, great love for us. So much so that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. And thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to take our sin upon yourself. And we just pray right now in Jesus' name that we would just say, Lord, come into my life. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Made me a brand new person. I want to have a genuine faith. I want to be a godly example. And God, I know that you will take that and you will use that. And I just pray that on this Mother's Day that all of our moms will feel extraordinarily blessed and loved and encouraged and strengthened today. And thank you for giving us these moments together. These things we ask in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. See you next Sunday.